Appreciate you being back tonight. It's been a good weekend already. It's one of those weekends. I didn't say anything about it this morning. I meant to and, and got talking and forgot all about it. We didn't say anything about our serve week this morning. Uh, we appreciate our young people. We're always proud of our teens, but this is one of those weeks we're really proud of our teens. They've been out at Raleigh Springs Church of Christ the last few days, door knocking in the community and painting walls and cleaning classrooms and fixing fences and cleaning parking lots and cutting limbs and all sorts of exciting stuff that they probably don't do at home. Uh, so this has been a nice week for them. Uh, I didn't do it as a teenager either. I'm not throwing stones up here. Um, but they've, uh, they've had a really good week. Uh, Harold Red had some text back and forth with him. He's going to be our summer speaker this coming Wednesday. And so in the midst of that, we talked about a little bit about what they were doing. And he was very appreciative, very appreciative of all you guys had done. You might know the Midtown congregation helped plant the group that's at the Raleigh Springs Church of Christ. That group that's there was a plant from Midtown. So they're closely connected. And, and we met several people this week that attend both congregations and work with both congregations. So uh, there's a lot of connections there, but they're very thankful. I'm sure they had a great family and friends day this morning. They're going to have a vacation Bible school this week. So it's been a good week already. And appreciate you coming back for tonight's lesson. Uh, we have these extended Bible readings every Sunday night. And I hope you like those. It's, it's good to get just more Bible in our life. That's where this all came from. We said, why don't we try to find a way to get more Bible to, uh, to make sure when people are so busy, don't, we don't read it like we should. And so maybe we can have more extended Bible readings, read a chapter every Sunday night. Um, Sunday nights have a little bit more time in our, in our service, so why don't we put some extra Bible reading in there? And so we started doing that, and I usually don't connect the lesson to the extended Bible reading, but tonight I'm going to, and I probably will next week if it comes together the way I expect it to and hope it will, because um, I think there are some passages here in this extended reading that we need to know about. We need to make sure we've studied together as a congregation. Because if you're listening there along with Mickey, it came across near the end of that passage, and Jesse read it for us just a minute ago again. One of those big warning passages in the New Testament. And you see those warning passages pop up over and over again. You might know every letter that's in our New Testament was written to Christians. So all the letters that are written to Christians, they have all these warning passages inside them. Things like be faithful so you don't fall away. Be faithful so that you'll have eternal life. And that's one of the things we often discuss with our religious friends and neighbors, because you probably have uh, friends like I do, who have been taught that once you become a Christian, that there's no way you can ever be lost after that. You probably have friends and family like I do that have been taught that before. You may have had those conversations before. And what that sometimes does, some people say, well, what does it matter? What that sometimes does is people get a false sense of security between them and God because the preacher said, I can't be lost, so I'll just do whatever I want to do. And they go back to a sinful life and end up never really living the Christian life the way they should have. And if I understand it right, never, never being saved the way God wanted them to be. So this is something we want to talk about for our, not only for our conversations, though, with others. These warnings are meant for us as Christians. The reason Peter wrote what he wrote is because he wanted you and I to know something. And so what I want us to do tonight is just walk through, there's our question, can a Christian really fall away and be lost according to the Bible? And if you're visiting with us, again, we try our best here to simply go by what the Bible says. We don't have a creed on the wall. There's no book that, that says, here's what you have to believe here at Great Oaks Church of Christ. We try to open the Bible and see what it says. We try to do it. That's our goal. 
And so that's what we're going to try to do tonight. What I want us to do first is just really walk through that 2 Peter chapter 2 section. If you want to open there, you're sure welcome to, but I'll have the verses on the screen like we always do. Verses 19 through 22 is what we're going to focus on. We're going to see what it says. Then we're going to connect some dots to some other passages in the New Testament. Not all of them. There's a lot of them, but a few of them. And then we'll pull some of this together and make sure we're getting the message from from 2 Peter chapter 2. So let's start by just reading through it, verses 18 through 22. Again, this will be the third time we've read through it tonight, but maybe the first time you've thought, okay, here's what we're preaching on, so let me think about it. Let's read through it and get the big idea, and then we're going to walk through it a little bit more verse by verse. He's talking about false teachers here as we jump in. He says, For speaking out arrogant words of vanity, they entice by fleshly desires, by sensuality, those who barely escape from the ones who live in error. Um, started to say something, I'll come back to it. Verse 19, promising them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world, By the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn away from the holy commandment handed on to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb, A dog returns to its own vomit. Did you know that was in the Proverbs? And a sow, after washing, returns to wallowing in the mire. All right, so what in the world is going on in this passage? Well, it starts simple. There's some false teachers. The whole chapter, 2 Peter chapter 2, is about false teachers and what they were teaching in the church. Starts out there in verses 1 and 2, talking about the false teachers, and that's the common thread through the whole chapter. And these teachers were teaching some sort of freedom, and I put that in quotes. They thought they were teaching freedom, but they weren't. And what was resulting from them telling people about this, quote, freedom, was Christians were going back to living these sinful lives. It was resulting in sinfulness. It may be that they were teaching uh, what some people call cheap grace. The idea that you can just receive God's grace and you don't really have to do anything. Like, you don't have to really live for God. You don't really have to change your life. We've been talking about transformation all year. You don't really have to transform yourself or be any different. you got God's grace. You just go do whatever you want to do. Maybe that's what they were saying here. Because verse 19 says that. They were promising people freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption. So they didn't know it, but they, they were making themselves slaves. Because it goes on to say, whatever you're overcome by... You're enslaved by that. Same may have been saying, hey, we're free in Christ. Or maybe they were saying, you're free from rules or you're free from whatever. But what it was resulting in was people were living lives of sin and they were becoming slaves of sin. Whether we really stop to think about that or not, the Bible says that several times, that we've got to choose who we're going to serve, but we're serving somebody. We're either serving Christ or we're serving Satan and sin. And we may think, hey, I'm free, I'm not serving anybody. Well, then, then that's, that's Satan's path. And so maybe that's what these guys were saying. They're teaching some sort of false teaching that was leading people to think they were fine to live sinful lives. Peter says that's not what you're supposed to be doing. Verses 20 and 21 remind me of something Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verses 47 and 48. And let me explain that. We'll look at verse 20 again. Notice the connection here. He says, if after they escape the defilements of the world, 
by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and they are again entangled in them and overcome. All right, so they've escaped the defilements of the world, and then they get back entangled in them. He says, the last state is worse for them than the first. And you might have read that before and thought, well, that doesn't make any sense. Because if you start off as lost, you're a sinner, you're outside of Christ, and then you're escaped the defilements of the world, and then you go back to the world, how are you, are, how are you worse lost than you were lost to start with? Well, hold on to that question. Because he hints at it again in verse 21. He says, it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn away from the holy commandment handed on to them. So how could your last state be worse than starting off lost before you give your life to Christ? Well, I think Jesus helps us out in Luke chapter 12, verses 47 and 48. And he's talking about eternal judgment here in this passage, if we'd backed up in the context. And, and notice what he says about our final eternal judgment. He says, that slave who knew his master's will and did not get ready or act in accord with his will will receive many lashes. Say, okay, that seems fair. He knew what he was supposed to do before God. He did not do it. He will stand before God and there will be a severe penalty for that. That's what my dad used to call deliberately disobeying. <laughs> you may have had a dad that called it that too. You knew what you were supposed to do. The problem was not ignorance. You knew what you were supposed to do. You chose not to do it. And so the punishment would be worse, my dad would say. Jesus says the same thing eternally, if you knew and you just didn't do it. But notice verse 48. The one who did not know it, he didn't know what his master's will was and committed deeds worthy of a flogging. So he still committed deeds that were worthy of punishment. He says he will receive but few. So verse 47, the guy who knew and didn't do it will receive many lashes. Verse 48, the one who didn't know but received deeds, still committed deeds worthy of a flogging will receive few. And then notice what Jesus says. From everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And to whom they entrusted much, of him they will ask all the more. This is one of the passages where I think Jesus makes very clear our eternal judgment in some way is going to rely on what opportunities did you have. Now all of us, if I understand Paul right in Acts 17 when he's talking to Athens, all of us have a responsibility to seek. He says, God put us here, we're here for a short time that we might seek God, though he's not far from any one of us. And so God has, God has set it up where we should be able to look around and say, you know what, there's something bigger than me here. I need to look for it. So we have some responsibility there too. But part of the judgment also is going to be, what did you know between you and God? And what did you not know? Now, not knowing doesn't give you a get-out-of-jail-free card or a free pass, a judgment day. You notice there in verse 48, even if you didn't know, you're still punished. There's still punishment there. If you want to call it different different levels of, of hell or, or different levels of eternal punishment, whatever you call it, God seems to be very fair in judgment in saying we're going to punish people differently according to what they knew. But that is part of the, the judgment. And so when 2 Peter 2 says, it would have been better if you didn't know uh, anything about it than to know it and to follow it and then to leave it. Because now you're being judged for being a sinner and you know better. So there's a responsibility that comes with knowing the truth. we got to take that seriously. We, we've been blessed with Bibles all over the place. 
We've been blessed with, with Bible teachers. We've been blessed with, with people around us. We've been blessed with so many tools to learn the Bible. Uh, it, our only problem seems to be oftentimes we just feel like we're too distracted to, to care enough to want to study it. Uh, but the opportunity is there for us. I don't know that any of us are going to be able to stand up on the judgment day and say, I, I, just, I just didn't know what I was supposed to do, Lord. I just didn't know. I didn't know to look. I didn't know to try. I didn't know where to look. Well, that's not going to be us. Second Peter 2 says, you can take that seriously. And he's talking to Christians saying, don't, don't fall away. You're going to end up in a worse place because now you're judged as a sinner and someone who should have known better. By the way, real quick before I move off that, some people ask the reverse question. Well, if there's different levels of punishment, are there different levels of reward in heaven? Um, this is one that I'm going to say maybe. Uh, to me, the Bible is not real clear on that. Jesus told parables that seem to lean both ways. He told the parable of the workers in the vineyard, Matthew chapter 20, where everyone is rewarded the same. He told the parable of what we call the minus in Luke chapter 19, where people are rewarded differently. So we will find out if there's different levels of reward. Uh, but I'm pretty certain the Bible's clear there's going to be different levels of punishment. Verse 22 reminds us that sin is disgusting. <laughs> if you get nothing else out of verse 22, I hope you get that. Uh, don't look at sin as just, oh, you know, I just messed up or I just had a misstep. Verse 22 says, when Christians go back to sin, it has happened according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit, and a sow after washing returns to wallowing in the mire. Did you ever think you'd hear the preacher up here talking about vomit? Well, that's what's happening here in 2 Peter 2, 22, uh, because Proverbs 26, uh, verse 11, I believe, I wrote it down. Proverbs 26, verse 11 says, As a dog returns to its own vomit, that's what a fool is like when he commits his folly again. He says, that's us. Maybe you've had a dog in your household that you've got the, the pleasure of seeing this type of thing before where they've thrown up something and then they try to eat it again. Um, it's not something you forget real quick. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. And that's the point of 2 Peter 2.22. That's what it looks like to God when someone who has had their sins washed away in the blood of Jesus Christ, supposed to be living for Him, just goes back to the world. So I'm just going to go live a worldly lifestyle. It's like that dog trying to eat its own vomit again. Um, it's like that pig who's been washed who just wants to go jump back in the mud and get disgusting again. Sin is disgusting to God. I hope we grow in, in our hearts enough to realize it's disgusting to us too. But this gives us a little hint as to what heaven thinks about sin. But notice the big thought of the passage. I think it's pretty clear. Christians can be entangled by sin and be lost. That's what he's saying here in this passage. A couple of things people ask about that to say, well, is that really what he's saying? Um, sometimes our friends and neighbors will ask this question. Maybe they weren't really saved first. You know, if they, if they went back to living a life of sin, then they must not have really been saved. Because if you were really saved, then you would never turn away from it. But you notice in this passage, uh, they were saved. Notice the word escaped in verse 20. And I'll put it up here in just a second. It makes it very clear. These are people who had escaped from the defilements of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, let me put verse 20 up here. If I can get it to come up here. There we go. If after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. When we put these other verses up here in just a minute, we'll try to point out in all of them. If I forget, please look for yourself. Just notice in all of them, they're very clear that these are people who had been saved. The Bible's clear they were saved, and yet they could still go back to sin 
and be lost if they chose the path of sin. But a second question we sometimes ask, does that mean that every sin as a Christian makes you lost? Um, I hope you don't get that impression from 2 Peter chapter 2, because I don't think that's what's being taught here. Um, and again, it's there in verse 20. I'm having a little trouble with my clicker, guys. I may need y'all to help advance it for me. Um, now I need to go back one, sorry. <laughs> Can you go back one for me? Thank you. Verse 20, notice the word overcome there in verse 20, and that's what's got there on your outline. That word overcome, it doesn't say every time a Christian sins, uh, he's lost. It doesn't say that. Um, I've heard some preachers and, and some people, some Christians, who I think almost had the impression that after you become a Christian, uh, for every single time you fail, every single mess up you have, you've crossed from saved back to lost. And then you need to say a prayer to get back to the saved part. Every single sin, every, every time you fall short, you, you're lost again and you're saved again, you're lost again, you're saved again. I don't understand that to be the teaching here. He says these are people who are overcome by sin. Don't forget 1 John chapter 1 where he says, we're walking in the light, the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sins. That's part of the blessing of the gospel, that none of us are ever going to be perfect, but as we're walking the path, if we've given our lives to Christ, that blood keeps cleansing us. Um, So it's not that every single sin causes you to hop the fence back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. If I get in a car wreck on the way home tonight, and I didn't say a prayer between, a prayer of forgiveness between whatever the last sin was I committed, if I understand it right, that's that's not what judgment is dependent on, whether my last act was an act of, of prayer or not. Um, it's whether I give my life to Christ, whether that blood was covering me. And so in my mind, there's, there's really two extremes here. There's the extreme that says you cannot be lost as a Christian. There's just nothing you can do. You'll always be saved. Sin all you want. That's, that's not what the Bible teaches. There's also the extreme in my mind that says every single sin makes you lost, and so you better hop back in, over that fence every single time you fall short. I think that's a false extreme too. If I understand the Bible's teaching correctly, it is, if I'm with Jesus, I have confidence that the blood of Christ is cleansing my sins, but it is still possible for me to be overcome by sin if I'm not careful, if I choose that. And so it's possible for me to leave. Uh, but it's not like I'm hopping a fence. It's not something to be scared of. Jesus, the grace of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, is, it does what it's supposed to do. It saves us. I've just got to stay with it. I've got to stay with that blood. I hope that's clear. Uh, we should have confidence in Christ, but it is possible to leave. Let me put a few passages up here that I think teach the same thing, if you're studying this for yourself sometime. Four passages is what I've got. I didn't do this on purpose, but my first passage has one verse, my second passage has two, my third has three, and my fourth has four. So first of all, the one verse passage, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 4. And again, notice how these passages clearly teach, there's others, but these are the four I've chosen tonight, that someone can be saved and then end up being lost by doing something. Verse 4 says, You have been severed from Christ, you who are seeking to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. And if you're severed from Christ, um, that, that implies you must have been connected to Christ to begin with, doesn't it? If you to be severed for something, from something, it means you were connected with Christ and you were taken off from that. So they, these people were saved, could be saved. He says you've fallen from grace. I, I've heard people say, and I think they're right, you can't fall from a place you've never been. <laughs> that makes sense to me. If you fell off the roof, that tells me you were on the roof. Um, You can't fall from somewhere you've never been. So if you've fallen from grace, these are people who had grace. These are people who had Christ. 
and they went back to seeking the Old Testament law as their way of salvation, Paul says, now you've lost Christ. Now you've lost grace because you've chosen a different way of salvation. My two-verse passage, James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. Right at the very end of the short book of James, he says, My brethren, so he's writing to Christians. Sometimes the New Testament uses brethren to mean like Jewish brethren. Paul did that a couple times, talking about my Jewish brethren. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about Christian brethren. If any among you strays from the truth... So it's possible for a Christian to stray from the truth. He says, and one turns him back. Let him know that he who turns a sinner, so he'd become a sinner, from the error of his way, will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. What those tell us, it is possible for one of our brethren, our brothers and sisters in Christ, to become a sinner by straying from the truth. He says, if somebody turns them back, what have they done? They've saved them from eternal death. So it's possible for a Christian to leave and to be lost. Hebrews chapter 3, our three-verse passage, verses 12 through 14. Hebrews has several of these passages. I didn't put them all up here. But Hebrews has several passages that very clearly is telling Christians, don't leave Jesus Christ. It is possible for you to leave Him. Don't leave Him. That's the whole message of the book of Hebrews. Verses 12 through 14 of chapter 3 says, Take care, brethren, again, Christian brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. So it's possible for us as Christian brothers and sisters to develop an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from God. And again, you can't fall from somewhere you've never been. So if you're falling away from God, you've had a right relationship with God to begin with. He says, so encourage each other. One another, day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And that phrase has always stuck with me, by the way, that we can be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, that sin lies to us, that sin tricks us. And over time, if we let it, our hearts get hard to it. We stop listening to God because we've let sin tell us a different story. You've got to be careful about that. He says, For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. So you've got all that Christ promises if you just hold fast until the end. My four-verse passage, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 through 29. Again, same book, same idea. For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth... And by the way, notice that phrase, go on sinning willfully. He's not talking about... One sin, he's not talking about the way we all fall short. He's saying, if you go on sinning willfully, this becomes your habit of life. After you've received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. You can see from the all quotes, he's quoting from the Old Testament there. Anyone, he said, who set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severer punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant, notice this, by which he was sanctified? So he had been saved. This, these types of people. You can be sanctified by the blood and then treated as unclean. And has insulted, he finishes the verse, has insulted the Spirit of grace. So it's possible for us 
to be sanctified by the blood of Jesus and decide we're just going to keep going on sinning willfully in our life. And what he says you're doing, you're acting like the blood of Jesus is unclean. You're insulting the spirit of grace. You're not trusting grace. You're insulting grace. And when you cross that line of insulting grace, he said, how much severe punishment do you think that deserves? It deserves the eternal punishment, he says there in verse 27. There are other passages, but I think those four, along with 2 Peter chapter 2, I think they're pretty clear that the Bible's given these warnings. It's possible for a Christian to fall away. And I guess here's the bottom line of it as we talk with our friends and neighbors and as we think about it for ourselves, We still have the freedom to choose after we become Christians. We can still leave Christ if we want. And so all the passages that sometimes our friends and neighbors look at and say, well, you, you can't lose your salvation because of this, there's always this that needs to be inserted in that, in that thought. Uh, for example, John chapter 10, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, I know them, they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. And so people who are just reading their Bible and, have, and probably have heard this before, they'll say, look, Jesus says that you can't be snatched out of his hand and that you have eternal life, that you'll never perish. So therefore, when you're in Jesus, you can never lose your salvation. Well, he says no one can snatch you out, and that's correct. Satan can't just take you away from Jesus. But you can leave if you want to leave. Like that freedom of choice is still yours. Jesus doesn't say, I will not let them leave. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, I will take away their freedom of choice where they're going to stay with me and never leave me. He doesn't say that. He says, no one's going to be able to take you away. The blood is strong enough to save you no matter what Satan throws at you, but you've got to stay with him. Um, you still have freedom to choose. One more of these that needs the same thought process, I believe. John chapter 5, where Jesus says, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. And does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life. And so people put this verse forward and they say, Look, Jesus says you have eternal life. If you have eternal life, you have eternal life. Well, it's the same thought process. You can still leave that eternal life. This is a promise to believers. You can decide to stop believing. You can decide to stop following Jesus. Freedom of choice is still there. You can be given up a, a lifetime pass to, to Disney World. And you could give it to somebody else and, and decide you don't have it anymore. You could hand it away. You can decide you don't want it. Let somebody else have it. Just because you receive the salvation of God doesn't mean God's not going to let you walk away from it if you want to. And so that's the thought process I think sometimes our friends miss as they're studying this. God doesn't take away our freedom of choice. I think the Bible is pretty clear on this topic. It is possible for Christians to leave Christ to get back into the world, to get back into some other religious type of system like Galatians chapter 5 was talking about, and to forfeit the salvation that Christ is offering us. So let's end with that same warning Peter's trying to give Christians. If after they've escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they're again entangled in them and are overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. What that tells me is I've got to be real careful that I don't get entangled in sin. Sometimes we get foolish and we get closer and closer and closer to sin. Or we drift further and further away from Christ and think there's no negative effects from that. But the closer you get to sin and the further you get from Christ, the greater the chances that sin is going to find a way to entangle you and find a way to deceive your heart, to harden your heart if you let it. 
Let's stay away from those things that pull us away from Christ. Let's stay away from the sins of the world. Let's stay away from all the voices that encourage us to chase things that we know can hurt our soul. we got to be smarter than we often are. It's your choice. It's my choice. i got to make a commitment. Peter's trying to encourage us to make a commitment. Don't get close to that stuff. It can entangle you again and pull you away from the thing that we all know we want most. That's salvation in Jesus Christ. Tonight, if you're not living for Christ, receive the salvation that is offered only in Him. Jesus said, John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He's the way of salvation. He's the only way of salvation. If you're ready to confess your faith in Christ, turn away from your sins. You can be washed in the waters of baptism where God promises, I'll wash your sins away, I'll forgive you, I'll add you to my kingdom, I'll save you. Let this be the night that you're baptized into Christ and your eternity has changed. If you've become a Christian before and you worry you've gotten entangled back in sin, God knows when we cross that line. My experience is I think usually we know when we cross that line. If you've wandered away from the Lord, come back to Him. If you can do that publicly, we'd sure love to pray for you and help you tonight. If we can help you in any way, you're invited to come to the front now while we stand and while we sing. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow.